Coming up today on Locked On Texas Tech, Joey McGuire and the Red Raiders made a habit out of pulling off the improbable a season ago. We'll talk about the odds of doing the same in 2023, including fourth down marbles. Get used to it. Next, a Locked On Texas Tech. You are Locked On Texas Tech, your daily podcast on the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're going to start this thing off right. Always glad to be with you again on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts. He's the only Chris Level. I'm Casey Cowan. And Chris, kicking off today's show with something I think that's going to be kind of fun to talk about. It was certainly fun to watch it a season ago. And we'll ask some questions about what we can expect to see in 2023 if you were a red raider football fan taking in last season you're going to probably know exactly what we're talking about as we get into texas tech over achieving there were some of those games chris and clearly this is part of what made the season so exciting where you really felt like your back was against the wall sometimes you even felt like you were down and out within the game this thing could be over and we've got about a decade's worth of recent history to give tech fans good reason to feel like all right Ring the bell. This thing is going nowhere. Unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, Joey McGuire and his team never got that memo. And they were down a few times, but seemingly never out. As we saw some comebacks, we saw some improbable things happen in the fourth quarter, in overtime, and a lot of that against statistically uh, what you would think should happen. I, I don't know how many times we you know, wrapped up a game and then got back together on Monday and you and I said, man, if you looked at the box score... You wouldn't have thought it was going this way on the scoreboard, but a lot of times it did in a positive way for Texas Tech, and at least that was one thing visibly that changed, uh, I think, Chris, in year one, uh, was winning close games, the ability to really hang tight and persevere, and then you did get over the hump, and you won some of those close games that really plagued you, you know, going back the last 10 years or so. You hadn't been able to do that. Yeah, you know, and you, you sent me a piece uh, that, that included a lot of the analytics or the win probability numbers and just some different different formulas, I guess, that kind of suggested that Texas Tech shouldn't have won as many of these close games based on the the formula and the percentages and, and just things like that. Right. <clears throat> and, you know, usually that's the – that's – is the tell on, on whether your season really has a chance to be special or not is, you know, I, I go back to, you know, like to localize it. I, I go back to the year that Texas tech went to the final four. Well, I, I you know what, I'm going to go back to the, even the year before that, when you went to the elite eight that first year and you kind of pushed through, it was the year before where you had lost a ton of close games and the year after when you ended up going to the Elite Eight and you lose to uh, to Villanova in Boston, that was a year where where all of a sudden you you were winning those close ones. A lot of that had to do with Keenan Evans, okay, and you had a player that was making plays at the end and down the stretch, and it was winning time, and he he came through for you. <clears throat> I go back from a football standpoint. Let's go back to you know because that that's kind of when you when you look at it they weren't all close but there was a lot of close losses like when Matt Wells was uh, at the you know as the head coach 
And that's the difference between, you know, giving a second contract or, you know, getting, you know, being uh, told, hey, we're going to go in a different direction, honestly. And like I look at I look at TCU last year. I mean, they mm-hmm. kept tempting fate every Saturday and and that, but they just kept winning all the close ones. Now, the, the Georgia one wasn't close, uh, but the, the Michigan one was. Um, then I didn't, they didn't win the close one versus Kansas State to win the Big 12 championship, but all the other ones, they, they were on the right side. And we remember the finish, the wild finish in, in Waco when they beat Baylor. But Texas Tech was able to, and I'll tell you, if I could, uh, we'll get into the other reasons why you won these close games here in a little bit. But one reason that I think that as much as anything, as much as anything on why you won close games last year, and I think it's it's a question mark this year, Hmm. is Trey Wolf. I mean, you know, 21 to 25. Uh, he only he only misses in the the forty to forty nine yard range. He had a couple of fifty plus yard field goals, and then he made. And this is the key. He made every makeable field goal, like you know, like ones that you just had to have that you're in the distance. So like, okay, we got to get three points. He made all of those. He was perfect. You know, between zero and and forty yards, I guess uh, he did not miss. And I just, when you got, again, it goes back to that bird in the hand. When you know you've got three in your back pocket, you got, you know, and you're getting the points that you're supposed to get, winning those close ones may, is much easier because if you miss one of those and you left with nothing, it's a momentum change. It's not, you know, you, you've got to, you know, battle back and get everybody motivated and you can't go back and, and, and re-kick it, you know, so – that uh, that that is a key point. I wanted to make sure that uh, is made here is that Trey Wolf had a lot to do with winning those close ones. Man, you hit the nail on the head. And of course, uh, I'm sure if you're a, a football fan, no matter what your team is, you may have had a season here or there where uh, you had the opposite of that, and a kicker was making you pull your hair out from week to week because you weren't reliable in that category. But uh, yeah, you see it on the screen. We're going to get to some of what. Joey McGuire and company did on fourth down uh, that really allowed you to get over these humps in some type spots uh, on occasion. But um, Trey Wolf is, I don't know, either number one or number two on that list among those two things, probably the top two reasons as to why, aside from, you know, just intestinal fortitude and things like that uh, that keep you in the mix late in the ball game, but cannot diminish the role that he played. And as Chris was alluding to there, um, I don't know what these statistics are worth to you out there. They're really not worth a whole lot to me, but I think sometimes they can be revealing. And some of the ways that they were looking at these things, as far as statistically speaking, was like if you looked at the game picture when it was completed and you forget about the final score, but you're thinking, all right, statistically, what's the percentage or what's the odds uh, for this team or that team to be the winner here? Just a couple of examples. Uh, Texas Tech after the Oklahoma game, uh, had a 39% post-game win expectancy based on what you saw there in the box score. Texas, would you like to take a guess at what the Texas number was? Because it's a single-digit number. Two! Two percent! <laughs> That's what they would have given you as far as your odds of winning that game whenever you paint that statistical picture that you do. But stats are for losers, Chris, and I think that still remains accurate. And those are games, particularly the Texas game, uh, in a lot of ways, th- those are games that 
that paint that picture and, and tell you that it's not all about what those numbers bear out, aside from obviously the most important ones on the scoreboard. I'd even go back, you know, to like the Houston game, I think, as well. And you got to go Rudy T, what Tom Janovich told us. Um, you know, the heart of a champion is something that you can't define within a statistical category. And I think we saw some of that, again, back to some of that intestinal fortitude. And I credit the coaching staff. You credit the on-the-field leadership. Obviously, everybody involved because you got to be pulling in the same direction in those very tight moments to have success like they were able to do. You know, I, I go back to, I guess it was in Raleigh. I think you're down 20 to nothing. Uh, it's it's Saturday night. It's sold out. It's it's uh, not going well. I think, yeah, you, like I said, you're down 20 zip. And then you, you know, and, and that was a, what, a top 10, top 15 NC State team at the time. And then you you battle back and make this a, basically a one score game uh, toward the end before they ended up pulling away and 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 gets get some things done against you. But there, there's many times before where you've seen a Texas Tech team just kind of it's just not going to happen. I, I look at the Kansas State game on the road last year and Kansas State was rolling and they kind of got up up on you and I thought, oh man, I've seen this movie before. But you you battled back. You just kept swinging, and I think that's a credit to Joey. Um, Joey has the ability to tap into these kids because I, I I will say this. He he's as loved as any coach that I can remember, including Mike. Okay, internally, like by his players. But he people may misunderstand that a bit because if you go watch him, he coaches hard. Like he is not afraid to get on anybody, whether it be a coach or a player, and he coaches hard. And when I say hard, like not polite at times, okay? Like, he's going to get in your face and tell you about it. But but then he loves them up as 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 much as that or even harder, whether it be a coach yeah. or, or a player. And that's the secret. That's the secret sauce. Um, and, and the love and the positive vibes, you know, they, they carry on and all the in-between. And, but what it, what it's, and so I think that's worth something here. Like in a conversation like this, man, I think it's worth something when yeah. you talk about guys just hang in there and keep swinging and play hard for a guy because they don't quit. They don't flinch. Yeah. I, I, it's kind of an odd thing. Uh, but as you get older and you look back at teachers or coaches or whatever it might be that you remember fondly and, um, you know, personally, probably the favorite coach I ever had was the one that was the quickest to go nose to nose with you. Uh, if it was necessary, but for some reason you're able to strike that balance and some of the really good ones are able to do that. And no surprise that Joey McGuire is really able to do that. I think we saw, you know, some come into that spot and they would preach it. They would talk about it. Does it really happen? I don't know. You do find out when your back is against the wall. And we found out some things when their back was against the wall a season ago, as for the second entry, or one of the top two entries on that list as to why Texas Tech was able to find success. Fourth down, Mavis. I mean, that was as discussed uh, of a talking point, I think, as, as there was for Texas Tech football throughout the season last year. Made it a lot of fun to watch. I mean, you had some, some of the wildest days I've ever seen as far as fourth down is concerned. And going back to that UT game, that that's the... Uh, you know, that's the poster child for this conversation, I guess. Six for eight that day on fourth downs. Tech went for it 52 times overall, Chris. That was by far the most in the nation. They converted 33 of those 52. And here's where it breaks down even more and gets, gets a little more interesting. 
129 points for Texas Tech after those 33 conversions. The 19 failures, they allowed only 44 points. So what they're calling that is a profit of 85 points and almost worth, as it averages out, a touchdown per game uh, over 13 ball games. So it's fun to talk about because it worked out well for you last season. But I think we all know it doesn't always work out well. And then all of a sudden, it's a much different conversation. I, I wanted to start this part of our conversation by asking you, Chris, do you think, was this really like the plan? Like, hey, anytime we're in this situation, this is our personality. This is our identity. Was it just what the season and some of these games called for? I guess I'm kind of wondering, you know, how much should I expect this to be replicated again in 2023? Or should I maybe tap the brakes and, and consider that it's just case by case and maybe you don't have those same cases in 2023? What do you think overall? Was this part of their identity really an intentional part of their identity? But first, today's episode brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book and the official sports book of Locked On. And right now is the perfect time to take your first swing and bet with FanDuel because you could get 10 times your first bet amount back in bonus bets, up to 200 bucks. That's right. Just bet 20 and you're landing $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line over-unders or anything in between, all on an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. Download it today in the App Store or head on over to FanDuel.com slash on to get started. And of course, when you're a winner with FanDuel, you're getting paid instantly just one of the many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. And start the fun today with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Kind of wondering, you know, how much should I expect this to be replicated again in 2023 or should I maybe tap the brakes and, and consider that it's just case by case and maybe you don't have those same cases in 2023? What do you think overall? Was this part of their identity really an intentional part of their identity? To answer your question, I, I would tell you this is much this is as much about being the brand as anything else. <laughs> okay. Um I like I I think, yeah, it's it's here to stay unless they get information or the the analytics suggest for whatever reason, not to go for it as much. But I think that they, they use that third party. They meet with them weekly, you know, that that company that really analyzes this stuff and kind of, you know, t t tells you what what the sweet spot is and, and all that. And, and and we got into these conversations last year <clears throat> with, with Coach McGuire on his coach's show. Does he have the ability to kind of alter from the book and go with his gut and, you know, based on weather, based on is this kicker uh, pull a groin? Is his is his quarterback not feeling great? You know, whatever whatever the case may be, you know, they have the ability to go off script a bit. But I think for the most part, this is what you're going to continue to see. And I don't know if the percentages – because what did you – they converted 51 of them. Is that right? Uh, 52. 52 fourth downs last year. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They attempted 52, converted yeah. 33. Okay, yeah. But it, it was okay. like 62%, I think, is like they converted 62% of the of the time, which was, I think, tops of the country. I think going for it 52 times was tops in the country. Yeah. 
And I think um, I, I don't know if you can expect to live in the 62% conversion rate. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be living but, good if we are. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I, um, I think that if, if it's, if it's close to that, it, it's just the numbers suggest, you know, we're going to take the good with the bad. And here's the mind trick with this whole thing. Not all fourth down conversions are created equally. You know, it's one thing if you're True. going for it. Because I tell you, when it would make me nervous as just sitting there analyzing this thing, when you're behind by two scores and you come out of the locker room in the second half and it's that first drive and you're on your own, say – 35 yard line and it's like foot on the gas go for it and i'm thinking because if you don't convert it the game can kind of get away where you can almost not not really but you can theoretically kind of end it right there you give a team on on your 35 yard line they go in and score and now you're down three scores and it's just like you're, yeah. you're compounding the problem uh, so they're not all created equally the mind trick though <clears throat> is that it's it's with Tim DeRuder and his group. Okay, that's that's really the 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 whole thing. In, in both instances, when I've sat here and told you, oh, you give the team the ball in your own thirty-five and you're down two scores, it puts them in a bind. However, you go for it on fourth and two at the two-yard line, you don't get it. You know they're they're in a, a you know a bit of a better spot there. But that, that's the group that I think was mature and, and handled it the best uh, because they're, it's kind of a no-win situation for, for Tim. And I think had he been a younger coordinator, he probably would have gone to Joey and be like, man, I'm not, I'm not cool with this, man. It's killing our stats. Uh, you're, 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 we're putting our team in a bind all the time. You know, I mean, all, all the stuff, but football has changed. And I think Tim's an older guy in experience, and I think he sees the value. And I've had multiple conversations with him about it. And I, I love his mindset because he calls him, hey, there's a fire out there. We're the firemen. Bring the your firemen. hose. <laughs> yeah, bring your hose, dog. So, um, I mean, that that's, you know, and so, and they kind of have that mentality, you know, and it's, and I think it, it, it works, you know, and so, and, and, and Zach Kitley deserves some credit as well for the play calls on fourth down and converting those because that's a bit tricky. And it always comes down to some involvement with the QB run game. Maybe too much uh, to some people's liking, but the QB run game on fourth and short or, or whatever, whether it's an option look or whatever, that's always going to be uh, fairly prevalent there just because it, it's safe and it's – if you go QB power or whatever you're doing, it's hard to put a hat on, on the quarterback because that you've got him outmanned. Well, it's it's safe for for you, I guess, if you can call anything safe. Um, but I also feel like, man, it just it presents so many different options to the defense that they got to be thinking about in, yep. in that instant. And we've been thrashed by it so many times is maybe why I feel that way uh, watching a Texas Tech defense <laughs> get taken advantage of. But but I don't mind that at all. And I, I love DeRuiter's approach. Look, the game of football is a bind. It's about dealing with the bind. And so if you're just worried about, oh, we're in a short field, what will we do now? I mean, where are you going to go? And, yeah, I, I didn't forget the comment from a season ago when he was talking about, we're here to put out the fire every time. Doesn't matter where on the field we're coming on out like George Strait, making our rounds all over town, putting out offensive possessions. That doesn't roll off the tongue as well. 
So I think his line was better. But um, I the one I'm just having still some trouble digesting, Chris, I like your scenario too because you're sitting there thinking, is this smart football to do something like that? Obviously, if it doesn't work out. If it does, you're a genius. But there are some of those also, man, in the first quarter before like anything's even happened. You're not even behind the eight ball, but all of a sudden you're going on fourth down on your own 27 or something like that. I'm like, here we go. Rev it up. I just got into the recliner with my first brew, and we're already like pushing our chips to the middle of the table. There's a lot to like about it. There are some things you might regret about it here or there, but uh, I'm happy to ride with it. I, I don't mind that approach. And the one thing I always like to see from a coach or anybody in any position of leadership is them sticking to what they want to do. Yep. I mean, obviously, we know nothing's going to be perfect. Nothing's going to work out 100% of the time. So if you're going to go down, go down doing what you think uh, is the approach that, that should be taken. That's what you're getting paid the big bucks for. Certainly made it exciting. And yeah, 62%. Boy, you'd be cooking with gas if you're near that in 2023. Maybe the number you'd like to impact overall, though, is the 52. How about don't have to go for it 52 times in 2023? You know, stay ahead of the change. We could consider that uh, to a degree as well. I know easier said than done. Okay, let's wrap it up with some of those guys who are going to be in charge of that task. We're going to get to some of the firemen we mentioned, but also some of those looking to stay ahead of the change because... Joey McGuire has put out the bird call. Big 12 media day is just around the corner, and we now know the posse that will be mounting up. And we'll get to it next on Locked On Texas Tech. Glad to have you along for the ride on Locked On Texas Tech on the Locked On Podcast network with chris i'm casey subscribe on youtube or anywhere you get podcasts so you never miss an episode big 12 media days is just around the corner as we will get down to the nitty-gritty of talking season at least this is like the conference championship game of talking season we've all been talking amongst ourselves up to this point in time now we'll gather and we'll talk together before finally uh, strapping it on and getting pads to pop and when fall camp does arrive. But we got to learn finally this week, uh, Chris, who was going to be representing the Red Raiders at Big 12 Media Days. You got some offensive and defensive flavor. No surprise, Tyler Shuck is going to be in the mix. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when he was named as the starting quarterback, that maybe there was some intention there in order to get him um, in this spot at Big 12 Media Days. Otherwise, offensively, his compadres – uh, Jerron Bradley and Taj Brooks. And then on the defensive side, uh, you're bringing the cornerstones, the foundations. They are the I-beams uh, of this Texas Tech defensive building. And uh, Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford Jr. Uh, quality group here. Guys that know what this program is trying to be all about. And uh, excited to hear from them, man. I, I think you've got some great representatives here. Yeah, you know, and, and Tony Bradford went last year in a bit of a different capacity. He didn't actually participate in, like, the media day stuff. He was there for, like, the committee for champions or there was some sort of uh, deal. So the, 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 he's a no-brainer. Um, you know, and I, I do. I, I think that this event or this kind of thing is exactly why the decision was was leaked out that Tyler Shuck had been named the starting quarterback because of something just like this. Um, I think Tyler will he will excel mightily in a setting like this. Uh, I think he will be 
represent Texas Tech about as good as you could want uh, from a polished student athlete that is going to say the right thing and, and all those things. And again, he may give somebody some bulletin board material, not say the boring thing either. Like he, uh, like he said after last year when they beat, uh, remember when he, he kind of, he, he was, he was feeling it after the, what was it? The, I guess the Oklahoma game. He's like, man, not even everybody in this hallway believed in me. And I mean, I, he, he was just, but this is who he is, man. He's an alpha. Uh, but he's very polished uh, with it, and I think he's very motivated. And so, anyway, I, I love that he's getting to go. Taj makes a ton of sense. Jalen Hutchings makes a ton of sense. I would have. I was trying to think. You know, it's a fun exercise to try to project who you think would go and represent the team. One, do they portray themselves well? Uh, two, have they been around a bit, and are they a known quantity? And 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 you know, as far as being a player with some uh, some background on their resume. I think Sir Roderick went last year, great representative uh, as well. So I, I love that Taj is getting to go. I would have thought that maybe Rabbit uh, would have been a guy that would have had a, a chance uh, to to be in in this conversation. Conversation, Daydreon Taylor Dimerson, but he went last year, you know. And so they're trying to spread the wealth a little bit. And and Jerron Bradley, I mean, he was a freshman All American last year. So if you're going to take, because I think initially they only announced the four guys. And I think you start to see what other Big 12 teams are doing, and they 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 decide they're gonna everybody's bringing a fifth, and so Jerron Bradley makes a ton of sense uh, as well. Maybe one of your starting corners, you know, Rayshad or Malik. Don't know if Rayshad has actually been cleared or anything yet. He's still maybe uh, doing a little bit of rehab from uh, sports hernia surgery. Um, they're trying to keep uh, Malik Dunlap back here working hard and. Uh, you know, and all that. So, but I, I think that's a no-brainer kind of group, and it, it's you, you've got some age that you're taking with you for sure. Because the the Dre McCrays, the I mean, Dennis Wilburn would have been great. You know, if you were taking an old yeah. lineman, you know, I think yeah. would have been great in this capacity. But and he's an MC, so he knows how to handle the mic. Yes, he does, Dennis the Menace. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I thought I about Miles Price, but did he go last year too? I believe so, because I think yeah. there was a picture of Miles Price and Tyree Wilson standing next to each other. Yes. And it, it, it looks like uh, the movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say father-son, but your example's better. I don't know if Miles will like that all that much. If you get well, I, I remember, um, I think I was sitting there hosting the coaches show last year, and Miles was my guest. And and I think Sir Roderick texted me that picture uh, and said, show Miles this. <laughs> and so I, I like show it to him and I'm laughing and he's like, eh, you know, he, he got all offended. And, <laughs> and so I was showing it to the crowd and Miles had fun with it. Miles is like the happiest go lucky guy that that's kind of the life of the party vibe guy that, you, you know, he, he's great, but he, he played along with it, but it's, it, it was stark difference there in the, in the size. So uh, there uh, also be some stark differences among the contingencies and representatives as far as, um, you know, hearing from them as, as members of the media. I used to love to go um, sit in the room whenever Bill Snyder was going to be at the podium. You knew he was going to drop some pearls, probably just make you a better person if you'd pay attention, take some notes, sit up straight, keep your eyes open. Um, he, he was the tops for me. I don't, nobody else was ever really appointment listening as far as uh, the big room was concerned with head coaches. I, I, I'd, I'd like to hear what Gary Patterson had to say because I, I certainly respected him as a football coach, but. Uh, Joey McGuire and the Red Raider contingency, Chris, have got to be at the top of the list. 
as far as people that media members want to put mics in front of. And I know that it's particularly Joey McGuire, but I don't know. I'm trying to think who else is is going to be in attendance that will be such a curiosity. I, I think certainly Sonny Dykes after the season he had uh, might fall in that category. Um, but I, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, he's probably got the Burt Reynolds clause walking through the hallways. Don't even look him in the eyes or he's going to call you a mother right in front of your family. Hopefully on national television, if he can have it the way he wants it. I think that's why they have an LHN crew there in attendance, just in case he wants to scream at anybody and put it on video. Uh, but I think Joey McGuire is probably going to be uh, the must-have ticket, the must-watch portion of this Big 12 media day. I am a little biased. But tell me I'm wrong. I mean, it's going to be a Joey McGuire show, I think. It's okay to be biased, man. That's what we, that's what we do here. We try to keep it real most of the time. But, yeah, it's okay to, it's okay to, to This is going to be, uh, yeah. uh, what, uh, July 12th, July 13th. That's a Wednesday and Thursday. If you're interested in these kind of things, didn't used to do this. Kind of cool now that uh, ESPNU, ESPN Plus will offer some coverage there if you want to take some of this in July 12th. July 13th. Do we know yet which day Tech is on? I'm not sure. Has that been decided? They're on the Thursday. They're on the okay. second of the two days, yes. So coming up around the corner, keep an eye out for Big 12 Media Days uh, there from the Metroplex. All right, and keep an eye out for us to be back on the other side, wrapping up the week with you once again. Looking forward to it. Chris, always appreciate the time, man. Enjoyed it once again today. Absolutely. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Appreciate it. Keep hope alive, everybody. Subscribe on YouTube or anywhere you get podcasts so you never miss an episode. And we hope to see you again for the next round on Locked On Texas Tech.